You're listening to the awesome Podcast Network. This is 80s Revisited. I'm your producer, Jesse Sedgley. And now your hosts, Daniel San Angelo and Trey Harris. Force from the future. Can we go anywhere we want at any time? You can do anything you want. Is putting history at their fingertips. Let's reach out and touch someone. They're traveling through time. How's it going, royal ugly dudes? Put them in the iron maiden. Excellent! Execute them! Excellent! Excellent! Excellent adventure! And welcome to a most excellent podcast. Little little change coming to the podcast. I just let's get it out of the way right now. Of course, I'm one of your hosts, Trey Harris. This would normally be the part where our other host, Daniel Santangelo, would say, and I'm the other Daniel Santangelo. But we regret to inform all of you 80s Revisited fans that Daniel is no longer part of the podcast. We had to murder him. Uh, his constant disregard for the mm-hmm. masterpiece of that is Big Trouble in Little China. Uh, <laughs> got a little it. drunk one night, and he just wouldn't shut up about how bad it was. So he got hit by a car. He's dead. Yeah. Uh, moving on. But, of course, I'm still here. And, of course, our producer, Jesse, is still here. Yes, I am. So... Yes, Much like I Bill am. and Ted, we are now a most excellent duo. Ah. Not dynamic, but excellent. Yeah. We mean, could be dynamic, but... Maybe he'll show up in a phone booth one day. <laughs> he'll come back. <laughs> I'm back from the future, and I heard this podcast, and I couldn't let you do it without me. Yeah. That only happens in the movies. Yeah. But we'll see what happens. It's not beyond the realm of possibility that after his bogus journey to the afterlife, he could come back and <laughs> do something with the yeah, podcast. At least for, like... You know, the anniversary episodes or something. One likes to hope. Send your emails, <laughs> aidrevisit at gmail.com. Headline, get your ass back to podcast, Daniel. Yep, and we'll forward him his way. Straight to him. Well, fa- uh, You can harass him on Facebook. His name is Daniel Santangelo on Facebook. <laughs> Feel free to, you know, post porn to his wall or something or just do whatever. Get him back. Yeah. Help it, us help you. If you didn't like him, let us know that too. <laughs> on like, his oh, Facebook wall. Well, there we go. Could change, I guess. <laughs> but of course, I know a lot of a lot of people. The purpose of the purpose, the purpose of mm-hmm. this podcast was, you know, to have me, the '80s movie. That's true. Guru talk to Daniel, who might have seen these movies once or most of the time, never. But we'll still we'll stay true to the name of the podcast and the spirit by revisiting these mm-hmm. movies from a more biased perspective. Now, yeah, and we'll get to learn stuff we didn't know. Of course, behind the scenes stuff. And, you know, when it's possible, Jesse, you've, you watch the movies, too, so we can get a I have never opinion. seen that. <laughs> no, I have. I heard it was not excellent. <laughs> I heard it was bogus. I heard it was bogus. <laughs> but anyway, on with the show. Episode 90. Technically 89, because we did have a highlight episode. So that means we need to keep that in mind, too, that 101 is the anniversary episode, because then it's actually 100 <laughs> episodes recorded. I don't know. I put a lot of work in that one. <laughs> I'm not discounting it. <laughs> you spoke on that one live. Yeah, I did. We did. That's true. So you, it'll be 101 for you, 100 for me. Anyway, that's <laughs> 10 episodes away and a whole bunch of fun and exciting movies to go over first. So uh, sorry for the delay getting back. Uh, it's been, I think, maybe two weeks since our last episode. It's been a while. But again, uh, we had to handle Daniel's business by putting him yeah. six feet under. Mm-hmm. And we got that, you know, pretty much got away with it. So we're back recording this podcast and talking about Bill and Ted's excellent adventure. Uh, yep. February 17th, 1989. 
IMDb 6.9. Rotten Tomatoes, however, 81% critics, 75% audience. So, you know, pretty big disparity there between all three of them. Critics, you know, I think 81% to me is pretty much, you know, uh, for a critical score, that's pretty damn good. You know, it's a shame they weren't eight-year-olds like I was at the time. (laughs) Maybe it would have been a little higher. I was nine years old, and, you know, (laughs) I'm on the side of the critics. Right. You know, but uh, (laughs) 10 million estimated budget, opened at 6.1, domestically grossed 40.4, couldn't find any information worldwide or on rentals, but needless to say, it made, it quadrupled its money. Hmm. Excuse me. And uh, I'm sure it made some overseas, so, you know, it probably quintupled its money. That's my best estimate. Uh, yeah. Could be, excuse me. Domestic only forty, so yeah. Yeah, and, and also, I mean, this this movie was pop. Well, actually, I didn't know this. While I was researching this, but this was sort of like Wayne's World in a sense, in that it was it was actually the writers that uh, were doing. Uh, excuse me, not like Wayne's World, more like Pee Wee Herman. Uh, of course, Pee Wee Herman was a character Paul Rubens created with the Groundlings as a stand-up like act type thing. Mm-hmm. The Bill and Ted personas were uh, done by Chris Math- Chris Chris. Chris Matheson and Ed Solomon <laughs> as Matheson. sort of like a stand-up thing that they then, you know, they, they're the writers, which I'm about to get to anyway. Uh, and they took their characters and made a movie, whereas in Pee-wee's case, you know, Paul Rubens it's my did that name. character. Scene <laughs> 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 from... But, uh, so yeah, I thought it was very interesting. But uh, the, this movie was a breakthrough for those characters because naturally it spawned a sequel, which hopefully everybody's seen. Uh, also a cartoon and a video game on the NES, and I want to say a breakfast cereal, but I'm not 100% sure on that, but it seems to me like I did have Bill and Ted cereal at one point. But I could be mistaking it that I was eating cereal while watching the cartoon. Was it excellent? I don't remember. Or was it bogus? <laughs> I can't remember. It's pretty much the meter of everything in this I movie. remember Mr. T cereal being awesome. Oh, wow. I distinctly remember Mr. T cereal and the Spider-Man cereal, because they, they, they don't make either of them anymore. Does anyone get cereals now? Is that a thing? I like to when my wife who's in the room doesn't, you know, know about it. No, no, no. I mean, like, celebrity cereals. Oh, oh. <laughs> like if, I don't know. If I ever got famous one day, I'd be like, time to bring back the celebrity cereals. I guess the closest, uh, or the only uh, thing nowadays would just be, I guess, getting your picture on Wheaties, which, of course, was back uh, then. But, you know, uh, I think we were talking about this on the podcast, maybe, uh, or maybe I was talking with somebody else, so forgive me if it's not. But we were talking about how uh, Saturday morning cartoons are pretty... Confirmed. Oh, yes. Myth confirmed. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I remember that now. It was so good. That was another great one. musical notes for uh, the serial. Excellent. (laughs) Uh, But uh, I I, I bet you that you don't see so many... (laughs) Wait, Goldberg had a serial? Oh, that's a car. No, that's me. Oh, wow. Goldberg serial. WCW serial. I remember Urkelos. I never... I don't... Uh, basically yes, Cheerios I remember it, but I don't. Or Fruit Loops, actually. <laughs> but anyway, I, yeah. I'm willing to bet that you don't see a lot of these serial type things right. or tie-ins anymore because there's no such thing practically as Saturday morning cartoons anymore. With uh, at least that I know of, because I've I get up on Sunday, Saturday mornings and uh, you know I'll flip through the, the the big three. You know your local, your three local NBC, ABC, and uh, what's the third one I'm missing? 33, whatever. It's 33. Is a channel. NBC? Like, NBC, ABC, CBS. That's the, CBS. that's the one I couldn't think of. Channel 9. You know, none of the networks Luckily. that I've seen have any kind of children's programming on Saturday mornings. Mm-hmm. Whereas back in the day, that's when it, it was it was in the morning, Saturday mornings, and then you had your other shows, you know, in the afternoon when you got off of work. Oh, excuse me, out of school. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it was, it was work. It was work to us, yeah. <laughs> you know, so I, it's, 
there has to be a correlation there to me because when I go down the cereal aisle, I still see the classics. You still see Captain Crunch, Lucky Charms, Cookie Crisp, and around Halloween you see all Count Chocula and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. But you know, when the Spider-Man cartoon was on, there was Spider-Man cereal, right? And it was it was like Crispix. Uh, oh, but it had marshmallows like in it. Yeah, exactly. That was the point of it. So it was great because I love Crispix. But mm-hmm. then they added marshmallows. So it was like the perfect cereal. And wow. Then, of course, they don't make it anymore. I'll have to go on eBay and find now a box. Buy separate ones. Just mix them together. <laughs> I just need to buy the marshmallows separate and then just. Throw I, it I could Crispix. do that, yeah. It's like it's if you still have a same. box of Spider Man cereal, uh, gmail.com. <laughs> if it's still sealed, oh, you know, there might be a chance. It might not be stale as hard as a rock. Oh my gosh, yes, it would be. <laughs> You want to hear, okay, this is, here's, a, here's a weird story about <laughs> cereal getting stale. Uh, when I was a kid, I, and we had a gravel drive, we had a, oh, excuse me, my friend had a gravel driveway, and I saw a weird-looking rock, and I picked it up, and hard as a rock was a piece of Captain Crunch. It literally was, like, crystallized. Now, oh, either, there's, only, there's only two possible explanations. One, it literally was a piece of Captain Crunch that just got hard as a rock. Petrified, yeah. Or it was a piece, it was a rock that literally was shaped exactly like a piece of Captain Crunch. So you took it and you threw it in the box. <laughs> no, <I> try. <laughs> That's a prank. I for broke somebody. three out. <laughs> tooths out. But uh, I'm pretty sure it was a piece of Captain Crunch. I've never seen another rock that resembles a piece of cereal. That that's my that's my correlation there. Ugh. But anyway, <laughs> yeah. So Bill and Ted's cereal was, from what I remember, pretty excellent. It was. It reminded me of uh, the Nintendo cereal, how it had the Link side and the Mario side. Hmm. If that makes any, you don't know remember that. Uh, Vaguely. Yeah, like the Link side was like gold and green. And I had like maybe X's or something, and the Mario side was like round, like uh, Cocoa Puffs, and was berry flavored. Back when cereals had a story. Yeah, I mean they <laughs> did. It was great. Yeah, cereals used to be awesome. Like every and they said the cereals used to have badass toys. Yeah, to for Bill and Ted, free Bill and Ted magnet. I wish I had one of those now. With four proofs of purchase. Oh, that's 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 the thing. That's the first cardinal rule when you were a kid in the eighties. Yep. And you had you had to look at the cereal box. You you had to make sure it wasn't with the proof of purchase. You had to make sure it was inside the box. Yeah. I mean, and in yeah, fact, I remember seeing people like uh, kids that I went to school with were like, would they get a box of cereal and go to an aisle in the grocery store? It was before cameras where people mm-hmm. weren't and like open the boxes of cereal to get a toy out. And when I worked at Winn-Dixie, I would find open boxes of cereal pushed behind canned goods or something with a toy missing. That's ridiculous. So, them, them toys were pretty badass back in the yeah, day. Yeah, back then, but, yeah, nowadays, no one's going to break a box open for that. Yeah, for a slap bracelet or some bullshit. Some fakering. <laughs> but anyway, back to the movie at hand. Uh, it was directed by Stephen Herrick. Uh, he also did one of my favorite adaptations of an Alexander dumbass book, uh, mm-hmm. Three Mus- the Disney version of the Three Musketeers, the good one with uh, Kiefer Sutherland, Charlie Sheen, uh, Oliver Platt, Tim Curry, of course, is the villain. And he also direct. Actually, he's, he's kind of a big Disney guy apparently because he also did 101 Dalmatians, the live action with uh, Glenn Close. Glenn Close. Glenn Close. Mm. Uh, I need to finish this mint in my pot in my mouth so I can talk less stupid. Yeah, it just nerves being back after so long. Mighty I'm ducks. so excited. Was it's that director first. too? Or yeah, director. Okay. Yeah. Oh, don't tell mom the babysitter's dead as well. An 80s Critters. classic. Wait, Critters? Critters. How did I miss that? I don't know. <laughs> oh, he also directed Critters, which we did. <laughs> wait, did, we did two, part two on the podcast. We didn't, or did we do the first one? We did, I don't know. We did one and two in one episode, I think. Is that how it was? I don't remember. Right in, so 80s long. Revisited. This is episode <laughs> 90. I can't uh, remember 89 other episodes. 
you know, Daniel's not here to tell me about right, you know, to know, educate yeah, us. I mean, true. blame him. It's true, and everyone knows I don't pay attention. <laughs> and everybody knows how old I am that I don't remember this shit. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so Critters as well. I guess I should have scrolled down a little bit when I was looking for what he did. And he did the Triple H classic, The Chaperone. Oh! <laughs> Lucky him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and like I mentioned earlier, it was written by Chris Matheson and Ed Solomon, who created the Bill and Take characters. They also wrote uh, Bogus Journey together. And then Matheson wrote the 90s kids classic, The Goofy Movie, which every kid I know that grew up in the 90s, at least five, six years younger than me, has you know can sing the songs from The Goofy Movie. Mm. My brother can, for example. Uh, but then Ed Solomon, uh, in addition to helping write the, the two Bill and Ted films, also wrote Men in Black. Ah. So uh, they both, you know, went beyond Bill and Ted as well. And, of course, the Stepping Stone starring role for Keanu Reeves as Ted. Of course, he went on to do such classics as the Matrix trilogy, the 90s classic Speed, and the 90s even better classic Point Break, which is one of the greatest movies ever made and will be on Mm. 90s Revisited eventually. They did so many things that should not be mentioned. (laughs) (laughs) Well, without... Without Point Break, you wouldn't have that great scene in Hot Fuzz. So. Oh, yeah. I'm not faulting him for that. It's just he's done some bad stuff. Oh, yeah. No, by <laughs> far. no one doubts that. And, of course, his, the lesser-known com- you know, partner of this film, uh, Alex Winter, was Bill. Uh, he was in uh, The Lost Boys, which we did uh, last Halloween. And he also directed a movie called Freaked, which I think when we did The Lost Boys episode, you recommended to me, which I still haven't watched it. Oh. Oh, well. <laughs> I'll get around to it. How about uh, uh, Keanu Reeves uh, in Dracula? Oh, oh, yes. I am English, dude. I know where the bastard sleeps. <laughs> I brought him there. To Carfax Abbey. <laughs> to Carfax Abbey. <laughs> Can we do that again? No. <laughs> and that's like pre-Matrix Keanu you know, before like he had a clout, you know? Yeah. Now He's trying then. No, I, I do like Keanu Reeves. I like... Uh, I'm not saying he's he's no Nicolas Cage, all right? He's no great actor like Nicolas Cage. But, sure, uh, sure. I'll but put I, them two together. God, if oh, they were man. the next season of True Detective, Nicolas <laughs> Cage and Keanu Reeves. There it is. Done. Done. Write it in. But because uh, uh, a lot of his later uh, post Matrix stuff has been really good, or let me rephrase, has been good, not real. I'm gonna say really good. Uh, I think I might have mentioned on the podcast 47 Ronan. Uh, the movie Maybe. did not too long ago it was actually uh, it was really good. I enjoyed it. Hmm. It's a total mythological take on that story, but it's beautifully shot and he did a good job in it. And he also directed a movie called I think Man of not yeah Man of Tai Chi. That's it, which I haven't finished it, but it's actually pretty good because that uh, good, huh? Because <laughs> uh, of course after the Matrix, he kind of had more. Of, I don't know if he had it before or not, but you know, kind of really embraced a lot of the Asian cinema type mm-hmm. stuff. Naturally, forty seven on a Man of Tai Chi. But uh, I think he even used Yunwoo Ping as the co- fight coordinator on Man of Tai Chi as well, which, of course, that's the fight choreographer for The Matrix and a lot of Jet Li stuff. Ah, uh, okay. Real big name in that, in wire foo, so to speak, or fight choreography, period, wire to be foo. honest. Mm-hmm. Uh, George Car- the late, great George Carlin was Rufus. Uh, most people might remember him from his role in Dogma. He also uh, voiced, uh, I'm not sure who he voiced, but he was in Cars. He will be me. missed. Uh, and then, uh, excuse me, these, this, these drugs, man... <laughs> These yes, altoids. <laughs> but uh, Terry <laughs> Camilleri was Napoleon. Uh, he was recently in uh, the Nicolas Cage classic, Knowing, which wasn't that bad, uh, in my opinion. Uh, but also The Truman Show. I'm not sure who he was in there. It's been a long time since I've caught that movie. And one of the greatest Asian 80s actors 
of all time. Ali Ong was Genghis Khan. Of course, you should remember him from the very first episode, 90 episodes ago, <laughs> as uh, one of the henchmen in Big Trouble in Little China. And he was also in Die Hard. He was the uh, the Asian, naturally the Asian guy in Die Hard, but uh, the he's the he, most notably when they're about to hold off the cops. He's the one that looks in the candy display and breaks it open and eats the Snickers. Hmm. But he's been in a lot of stuff, especially in the '80s. A lot of TV. Uh, he he was sort of the go-to Asian guy for '80s action movies in a big way. He was also in uh, Lethal Weapon. Uh, y- you've seen this guy pretty much. You've seen this dude. Like he's been in, in a lot, a lot of stuff. Uh, the lovely Jane Wideland was Joan of Arc. Most notably, of course, she's the Go Go's guitarist. Uh, she was also in Pretty Woman and Star Trek V. So hmm. she's done some stuff beyond you know an '80s band. Uh, Hal Landon Jr. was Captain Logan. Uh, everybody's seen him in something. Uh, he was recently in The Artist. Uh, also, he was the dad in Step Brothers, which is <laughs> the thing I mainly remember him from besides the Bill and Ted duology, but also the David Lynch classic Eraserhead, which is not for the faint of heart if you haven't seen it. Hmm. And Bernie Casey was Mr. Ryan, the teacher. Uh, he was in The Mouth of Madness and also the Steven Seagal classic Under Siege, or a.k.a. Die Hard on a Boat. Right. Followed by the sequel, Under Siege 2 Dark Territory, a.k.a. Die Hard on Train. <laughs> yeah. Minus Bruce Willis. Yeah. <laughs> and nowhere near as good. Yeah. Under Siege wasn't bad, but it was just like, that was, I think that was probably around, you know, I think Seagal had peaked right before that, and then mm-hmm. that was like on his way out before he started doing such things as Half Past Dead and whatever his other and lane. everything else. <laughs> there was one on Netflix, it might not be on there anymore, but he was like fighting zombies. <laughs> I really wanted to watch it, but I just... Never brought myself to do it. But there is some Steven Seagal versus zombie movies that was on Netflix, but... Against the Dark? Oh, that, I think that might be it. I remember the cover has, like... Maybe it's vampires. That's it. Yeah, it's vampires. Excuse me, not zombies. So it's basically oh, okay. Blade with Steven Seagal. <laughs> which means it's going to be you amazing. you like Blade, but didn't like Wesley Snipes. Because he's an anti-American tax evader. <laughs> remember You'll love so- Against the Dark. Starring American legend Steven Seagal. 3.2 on IMDb. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That sounds like a riff tracks to be. Yeah. But definitely check that out if you want to. Uh, and that's that's most of the cast, the big names in it. Uh, of course, there are a lot of other people in it, uh, naturally, but these were the, the ones of note, sure. per se. But uh, this, I haven't, until I watch this for the podcast, I haven't seen it from start to finish, you know, probably in a couple years at least. But this movie's always been really in in a sense important to me for the fact that it was one of those as a kid you know a nine-year-old it was like after i watched this movie what, what excellent you know the the verbiage <laughs> was in my vocabulary for a yeah. while especially being an impressionable person kid of nine years old you know and then wayne's world came out like i think two years later and that was about you know yeah. the verbiage you know so to speak but uh the one the one thing i always remember about this movie was back around that age i was nine my brother was like six uh, excuse me four he would have been like four, really young. But anyway, my parents, because they were both, my, both of my parents worked. We get off the bus and wait for them to get home, blah, blah, blah. But they had like nights out for us. Like one week, mom, my mom would take me out. We'd go do whatever I want to do. Dad would take my brother out. And then the next week, we'd switch. Hmm. Like dad would take me to go do something, and which it didn't last so that's that long. what good parenting is like. <laughs> if you only know the things that happen <laughs> yeah. on those trips. I hated you know. that trip. <laughs> <laughs> but me and... But my mom took me to see Bill and Ted one night for one of them. And then the next week, I went and saw it again with my dad. So it was one of the first movies that they I saw twice much. in a theater. <laughs> they didn't communicate for a week. 
I can't believe that you didn't make him not take me to see that stupid movie with those lame stoner dudes. <laughs> yeah, my dad was definitely more of a Captain Logan uh, <laughs> father at that age. Not that's not in a bad way, but he was just you know very stoic and yeah, yeah. Don't waste your life like these kids. Oh, you know. <laughs> oh, really? Not, I don't remember him saying that. I'm just saying as an example. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, watching this. Recently, of course, when, when you watch something for a purpose, like for this podcast, mm-hmm. excuse me, again, I apologize, you're watching it almost in a sense for the first time because you're really, you're really observing, you're paying attention more, and you're realizing things that you might not have thought about before because you're watching it at a heightened level of awareness. And I never remember, I didn't remember how funny this movie was. Not, I mean, because as a nine year old, I'm rolling laughing because right. it operates on that level, but as an adult, it's it's got that duality to it, hmm. like the whole thing with talking with uh, Bill and his mom. I mean Missy, uh, <laughs> you know, being you know all that kind of angle. Like as a kid, I recognized that it bothered him, but like all the little innuendos that they're saying throughout the movie. Like as a nine year old, I don't know what an Oedipus complex was when they make a joke about it at the end of the movie. Right. You know all those that that higher level of humor that's in there that. Kids, like in Spaceballs, you know, there's certain... That's one other one that jumps out at me. Something for the adults. Exactly. And uh, it was Roger just Rabbit. as... Exact, good point. Yeah. One we recently did. It was just as, it was just as, if not more funny, watching it again now. And it really was almost like watching it for the first time in a big way because I was like, I don't remember them saying that, or I get it now. Yeah. Because I never, you know... Comedies, you know, especially you don't necessarily watch with the greatest amount of attention. Like, if I'm going to watch, uh, actually, the movie, I'm going to Back to the Future this week is about Snowpiercer. I was like watching that movie, mm-hmm. like, because there's a deep meaning, you know, I'm watching it. But then, you know, you watch The Hangover or whatever, what's a big comedy, uh, that Tammy movie with what's her name, which I'll never, no. never want to see. But, you know, you don't watch it, at the, you don't watch those the same way. Right. You don't watch Citizen Kane or uh, the latest Spielberg movie as you, you relax. Yeah, you're just more. you're just there for the ride in a sense, and uh, but watching this movie on that level was just I was rolling. You know, my wife was laughing, and she doesn't like certain kinds of humor as much as I do. But we were both like into the movie again, mm-hmm. as I you know, in a sense, as I was the first time. So it was real. This is one that's really really worth revisiting if you remember watching it when you were a kid, and I think you're going to be really impressed how well this one held up. Wow, not the effects. <laughs> but but definitely uh, the humor in it and everything. And I, one of the genius things about this movie, I say genius, but it's using to describe, uh, is that, you know, Bill and Ted aren't the smartest people, per se, in the film. Mm-hmm. But they're not overly, they're not Beavis and Butthead, but then they're not, you know, two smart people in a movie. I don't, Rick, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I mean, they're not two geniuses. Uh, but they're not, they didn't overdo the fact, they're not dumb, they're just... Whoa, they're they're not they don't enunciate well. Sherman. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to think of two smart people, but normally one of them's always stupid. Yeah, there's always or, like the either they're both dumb or one of them's dumb. The other yeah. one's like super smart. <laughs> the typical there's never two smart people. Yeah, there's of that unless they have copyright eighties revisited no. some situational comedy with two intelligent people. <laughs> but then what's funny? <laughs> That's the genius of it. That's to be that smart humor. Uh, yeah. yeah. I don't know. Oh, there's a movie called Two Smart People. Perhaps I'm, they're smart. Oh, wait. It was with Lucille Ball, so mm, I, <laughs> I doubt she was playing a smart person. 
that's not that true. she wasn't a, a cunning businesswoman, right? In the, you yeah. know, but you know, it's like loose. You know, back then it wasn't like you Playing know. Apart. When Jim Carrey does the Truman Show, it wasn't like oh, a serious role. Oh, she's a con woman. The other guy's a detective. Yeah. 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 Okay. Anyways. But that's one thing I really appreciate about the film that because usually when you have that situation like dude where's my car the two dudes are literally retarded right they they are dumb mm-hmm. Bill and Ted aren't dumb they're just like they they're, they listen to heavy metal and are in a band you know they're they're just not great A students except they right. did ace their final report uh huh so there you go and they will eventually save all of mankind yeah as we learn in this movie and more so in the sequel. Where people, certain people just can't handle that reality and try to kill Bill and Ted and succeed once. Well, that, there was a grading curve for that because no one else could step <laughs> nobody, up to that. Yeah, that one dude, yeah, computers. Everybody else got D's and F's. <laughs> well, I think there Damn. was a scene where, uh, where it shows them, like, write the F's before, right, right before they come in and do the show right. or do the, uh, their presentation. I think one person had an A minus. That was the highest grade so far. Right. So. Obviously, Bill and Ted got an A plus, and but it, you know it was such a strong A plus <laughs> that it pushed everybody. Else <laughs> it was down. like plus plus. <laughs> Y'all failed. Like yeah, they're, y'all them failed succeeding, instantly. even though it you know it, it stopped them from being separated and saved humanity's future. Right. There was probably a future president or something that didn't or didn't get that G, that perfect GPA. I want to hear his story. Yeah, <laughs> the, 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 <laughs> the guy who saw Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure happen, and except I, in real life. In his alternate timeline. <laughs> yeah. That could actually be the third film where some some person from the future comes back and tells them, you can't let them, su- after they succeed, you have to do this. You're the only one that could stop Bill and Ted from taking over. Oh, the time travel movie. Yeah. I mean, it's, like Doctor Who or it's something. It's easy. Tard- TARDIS versus Telephone. <laughs> I mean, TARDIS. That's, 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 it's really funny that you mention that because, you know, the big joke with the TARDIS is it's bigger on the inside. Right. We've most people have been in a phone booth that are probably listening to this. If you haven't, it's it's big enough for like two people max. Yeah, they had uh, like nine people in a phone booth, <laughs> and it wasn't like there was one scene where you know the phone booth is horizontal and they're like in a like a boat, and you know they're like like whoa, dude, it's broken. Mm-hmm. But then like when they land, they all walk out of the phone booth. <laughs> so it there's some camera tricks. I really think that their phone booth is just the American TARDIS, right, of some sort. Except if you see it from the outside, it looks like a bunch of people crammed into a phone. Yeah, like, you know, <laughs> but in reality, like the, they're sitting comfortably. Yeah, they're it's like, like, oh, I'm not jammed up. It's the illusion. It's, yeah. it's like, you know, it's like a, in Photoshop, it's when you uh, compress Crunching the image, the other, yeah. it's like, you know, they're all, they look all like cramped and like, def- like put it up. But they're really just uh, standing about. Yeah. Obviously, so because Socr- Socrates, Socrates, <laughs> or Socrates in the film, you know, he was pretty portly, so, and right. Genghis Khan had his big armor on, so they, they did need some room. <laughs> But anyway, uh, def- this is one that's really was really fun to revisit. And, of course, immediately after we watched the first one, we put on the second one because it's just as good. <laughs> and it still holds up. But it's a 90s movie. Yeah. So, But, you know, uh, in fact, there was maybe not too long ago. I say not too long, but I'm bad with, like, how recent a time frame things are. There was, like, talk about a Bill and Ted 3. But after watching the second one, it's like it's this is a series that pretty much ended. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, it ended for... The, there's nothing you could really do to do a third one unless it's just about them becoming gods of reality or whatever, you know? Because the end of part two is yeah. all is basically telling you everything that happens afterwards. World peace achieved. Wild Stallions plays on Mars. Death has a solo album. Well, maybe oh. they got to show that. <laughs> well, they did already. I know. <laughs> and plus, let's not beat around the bush. They're old now. Yes. So, 
this is a series I think that because you know a lot of people a lot of the '80s stuff has been big lately, uh, recently in recent history. Uh, this is definitely not one that needs another one, uh, yeah, nor does it need to so. be remade. It was good. It was good how, how it was. Let it go. Just let just let it exist forever in its glory. But uh, this now for the, some trivia stuff, and this is some. There's some really cool stuff here, especially this first one, which which just pisses me off that this that this happened because it's just sitting somewhere by someone who probably doesn't appreciate it. <laughs> the actual phone booth prop from the film was given away as a contest prize in Nintendo Power magazine. <laughs> uh, they were promoting the new the game, yeah. and the prize was you could win the phone. Some some person won the phone booth from the film, and I guarantee it's probably like destroyed and. Wouldn't that be crazy if we shot with it in that one movie? <laughs> Dude, I, I am I am not even lying. That crossed my mind. I was like, it's red. It's got like the phone thing. Yeah. It, it, call this woman up and ask her where she got that phone booth. But uh yeah, so I'm I'm hoping that the person who got it, you know, treasured it for the relic that it is, uh-huh. and it's still in perfect working order, and we can you know, he can hop through time and Yeah. Because I mean that's a pretty good prize. You just won a time machine. I mean, you know, I'm surprised they gave it away as a contest in Nintendo Power to some kid, you know. If you want it, let us know. 80s Revisited. He's probably young Barack Obama. That's why he's president. Now. He went true. to use it to go through time, and now that's why he's president. That makes sense. Or it could be Osama bin Laden. We don't know. <laughs> we don't know who got this and is, why we're living this reality we're living. It could have been George Bush. It could have been anybody. Should make a documentary with, like, fuzzy footage of a phone booth <laughs> flying through the air. <laughs> <laughs> <In> various places. <laughs> Ancient aliens. Ominous music. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> This is pretty cool. Uh, of course, in the film, their big deal is they want to get Eddie Van Halen to play for him. Uh, after the movie came out, it, the real Eddie Van Halen did say that if they approached him, he would join Wild Stallions, which they didn't. They obviously didn't need him. It's like, after no, all, we're good. <laughs> we already know what we're going to be in a few years, yeah. so we don't want to share that glory with you, Eddie. And of course, Ed, Eddie would you know probably rage and kick out the singer, whoever they yeah. had, and just cause drama within the band. Didn't he like kick his own they brother didn't. out of Van Halen or something? There was some like they didn't know. have a singer in uh, Wild Stallions, did they? They would eventually. Well, of course, the eventually. song that they play at the end of Bogus Journey is a Kiss song, but uh, actually, I don't think any of them are singing during it. But that's the song Maybe they're playing. Rufus was singing. I don't remember. I don't think they were singing. I don't know. Hmm. That's a story for another time. Yes. Uh, in the original script, the time machine was actually a 1969 Chevy van, but since Back to the Future came out four years earlier, they thought that's too much of a that's too close of a comparison. We need to make it a little different. So they oh, went to the phone yeah. booth because at that time nobody in America had really heard about Doctor Who. Right. And so they got away with so it. So they stole it. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> uh, I mentioned that Bill and Ted was a stand-up act. Uh, principal photography for this film was actually completed in 87 but remember the release date was 89 mm. uh, it was mainly delayed because the uh, original financers uh, the De Laurentiis Entertainment Group which they've done they did the Conan movies they did the horrible Halloween sequels uh, but they went bankrupt and the film was in danger of being dumped onto a, as a cable a television movie thank god it wasn't mm. uh, but Nelson Entertainment bought off the rights to the movie in 88 and thus released it a year later in 89 in fact, there's a scene when they're walking out of the school where Ted, um, sorry, Bill mentions the year. He had to come back and re-record the right year for the release of the film. <laughs> so that's crazy. Like Keanu Reeves, this is like his big start. He thinks he's going to get a start in '87. Yeah, <laughs> he waits two more years <laughs> of doing like Crap. unemployed yeah. or you know playing in his band or whatever. Like I'm never going to make it, and then this comes out and it's like I got a movie out there. 
And like overnight, yeah. people, you know, like, oh, excellent, Ted. It's like, yeah, when's that movie coming out, Keanu? <laughs> <laughs> like, it really is coming. I swear. I swear I was <laughs> in the movie. Because if you look at his, uh, I mean, this was, well, he was a, had a bit role in Dangerous Liaisons. Yeah, yeah. But this, this was things. the movie. Yeah, this is the In one. fact, after this, it was after this movie that we're like, when I, like in the Ron Howard classic Parenthood, I was like, oh, the Bill's in, the, uh, Ted's in this movie. Yeah. You know, and then, of course, Speed comes out, and it's like, uh, well, Point Break point first. Break. But, I mean, point, but point, bleh, point Break was a, yeah, you take it with a grain of salt. You know, it's, because it's. Dracula. <laughs> well, we talked about that already. Yes, I know. <laughs> but then, you know, he comes back with Speed, and just, now he's an action star. Right. Because Point Break necessarily didn't make him an action star. But Speed comes out, and then it's a huge hit. Uh, of course, also makes Sandra Bullock a star. Uh, and then, you know, his career got kind of kicked off twice. Or not like Travolta, where it died down for a long time, because he was doing stuff. You know, like like we mentioned, Dracula, and I'm Jonathan Harker. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, so he kind of had a, not a, I, mean, I wouldn't even say a downturn, but like he got a resurgence as a different, you know, from a com- comedic actor, basically. You know, he tried drama with Dracula, and then he came back with you know basically being an action star. And of course, I know he had some romantic comedies that I never saw—not romantic comedies, but romantic movies that I never saw. There was one I think with some mailbox or some shit. Oh, um, was that him in that? Or? Yeah, oh, he yeah, has the yeah, Lake House. Him. Yeah, because I remember my mom watched that movie. I was like, "What? Is, I don't want to watch this." <laughs> but it was pretty cool. Actually, uh, the remake of uh, The Day the Earth Stood Still was wasn't great. I mean, uh, fantastic, I should say, but it was definitely worth watching. As far as remakes go, of course that's an old enough movie to where, you know, when they were using tin cans as flying saucers, that you can remake it. <laughs> uh, Constantine, I, I, I'm a big fan of that movie. I thought it was awesome. Hmm. Well, that's me. Six point nine ain't too bad. So, a lot of people agree. I mean, Rachel Wise is in it. Hey. hey. Of course, I mean Shia LaBeouf. Oh, oh, I forgot he was in it. That little he, yeah, he's the dude that got killed and then, like became an angel or something. It was kind of dumb, but. It was. I thought it was. They did a good job with the story. I think, especially because you're adapting a comic book that is. It's it's a Vertigo comic, and it had a good run. But it's one of those almost cult, like no, like most comic fans never didn't read Hellblazer. Yeah. It was one of those more, you know, uh, not mainstream comics, and of course now they're coming out with a TV show where the dude actually looks like the comic book version. Oh wow. Although hmm. uh, the actual, strangely enough, the actual the character Con- John Constantine was based on Sting, the uh, front man of the police, not the wrestler. <laughs> you know, he had the face paint, My the tights, went and both he was directions. just like. <laughs> and then it mixed together, and it was Sting of the police with face paint. <laughs> with face paint, hunting <laughs> demons, doing wrestling moves, singing yeah. like police lyrics. It's like why Those settle for one when I can have them both. all in my head? Because there was a big. Uh, I remember when the first Constantine film came out. Film came out. A lot of people were saying how just get Sting because I mean he's he's acted in some things. I mean uh, he wasn't fantastic in Dune, but I mean he played the character that he needed to play. Uh, so, but anyway, I thought hmm. sum it up. I like Constantine. If you don't like it, go fuck yourself. I don't care. There you go. Difference of opinion. But anyway, GFY. this would normally be the part where I'd say Daniel, what did you think of this movie and what score would you give it? But he's not here. Yeah. So I get to give Daniel and my own score for this film. Wow. And it's a nine because it's still fantastic. It's, it's, a, it's as good as it was then as it is now. All is good with the world. I'm sure he would time. agree with you. Yes, because we always agree. Except that one time. right in. <laughs> yeah, Daniel, if you disagreed, send us an email. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, also, don't forget, you know, if 
I'm not. I think this movie recently came out on Blu-ray for like the 20th anniversary or 25th or whatever it was. But uh, you can always uh, click on the link on AwesomePods.com to Amazon. You could watch it on Amazon for like a buck, maybe two, uh, or buy it for like ten. Yeah, might as well just buy it so you can watch it whenever you want. You know, and not be dependent upon an internet connection. Right. Uh, but you know, click the link from our site because it gives us a small kickback. Doesn't cost you anything extra. Just helps us maintain our studio and equipment because we do this for the love of doing it, mm-hmm. not to be rich. Because if we did, we'd be dead from starvation by now because mm-hmm. it would not pay the bills. And it wouldn't. Char- it doesn't cost you anything extra. That's, That's the, the main thing. thing. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, again, this released April seventh. Wait, I'm sorry, February seventeenth, uh, nineteen eighty nine. The two days before the death of Hugh Yao Bang, great last name, mm-hmm. uh, sparked the beginning of the Tiananmen Square protest of 89. Of course, everybody remembers that famous picture of the dude that eventually gets run over by a tank. Uh, and then also... Spoiler the, alert. Oh, I forgot, because <laughs> the movie is coming out soon. Right. Uh, and also the Hillsborough disaster, which was one of the biggest tragedies in European football. And, of course, that means soccer. Of course, because soccer's on everybody's sports brain rewind. now. Oh, good. Oh, good point. <laughs> Trey Sports Rewind. <laughs> Didn't even think about that. Good call. Uh, but it would uh, it cost the lives of ninety six Liverpool supporters because soccer fans are they the crazy. only real fans in the world of anything because it's life or death. Yeah, I'm surprised after that riot uh, after that uh, blowout game where Germany destroyed Brazil that there wasn't some sort of Oh, yeah. Uprising or something. No, they went and hit instead. Just too much. Because that was crazy for that sport. But uh, that's about it for Bill and Ted's. Of course, we go. We like to go back to the future because after delving into the movies of the past, we like to bring it back to today and talk about something a little current, be it a movie or another event. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, I'm going to talk about the recent film Snowpiercer that came out starring one of my favorite contemporary actors, Chris Evans, hmm. uh, and also Tilda Swinson, I think is her last name, who was in Constantine, as a matter of fact. Yeah, and uh, a whole bunch of Korean actors. Uh, right. I wish I could remember their names, but I'm sorry. They're three syllables, and they're all different things. Oh, here we go. Kang Ho Song, and oh, John Ed Hurt Harris. was in it, too. <laughs> oh, my dad. I, for, I forgot. Uh, <laughs> but he was in it, too. He's, and that's the first time I've seen him in a film in a while. At least oh. a film that I've seen, I should say. Uh, but bottom line is Snowpiercer, it's the, the most... Uh, the biggest comparison I can give it as far as like the type of film it is would be to compare it maybe to Children of Men to where it, it's a futuristic f- film with a unique premise, mm-hmm. but it then tells a different thematic element. Like or a thematic, a theme is told within that setting. Like right. that, setting that setting facilitates the theme of the movie. Okay. Put it to you that way. Uh, very well directed, extremely well acted. Chris Evans is so underrated, I think, as an actor, because, of course, most people remember him originally as the Human Torch, mm-hmm. which he played the comic book version of Johnny Storm to a T. You know, that he's, yeah. you know, I mean, he did that. You know, I'm not saying he did a great job in it, but he played the, char- the, char- the character from the comic, I thought, exceptionally well. Uh, and then, of course, uh, the, the movie that changed my entire view of him, Sunshine, uh, as a, which this is sort of similar to the, his role in that, you know, very ser- a very serious, motivated character, Akin to how the transfer, the difference between Captain America One and the Winter Soldier, the difference in Cap's perspective, because of course now he's no longer he is a man out of time, but now you don't have that him in his own time movie. He's uh, you had a little bit in the Avengers, but he was the main character in the Avengers, right? So they really delved into that in the Captain America sequel. But regardless, uh, Snowpiercer, depending on where you are, it might be in theaters, but it's already up on iTunes because it had a limited release. Uh, 
it's one that I would recommend in the theater for the sound and just the, the experience is always a bit better in a theater. You kind of mm. get more of that impact and the oomph from uh, everything. But uh, it's ex- it's an exceptionally, really, it's just an exceptionally good movie. Uh, the budget was 39.2 estimated. Opening weekend, again, this is a small release, so keep that it in was. mind. Uh, 171,000. Uh, Look at that, though. No, uh, 7.8 in China. Again, it's again. It, this movie was a joint production between a U.S. production company and a Korean production company. Okay. So it wasn't like a. It's not like a. It wasn't made for us, so to speak. I mean, it was made to distribute, but it was co-funded uh, overseas, which is Lots why you have money in Korea. A too. couple of the uh, Korean. Does it say? Do you see that on? Oh, I see. Sixty. Oh yeah, it made, it made its money. It, it clearly made its money back. Uh, Sixty-three point nah, three million. After DVD sales, it'll be okay. Oh yeah, I mean it's it. It's going to be a financial success, uh, but oh, wait, yeah, there, there it is. Yeah. Oh, eight, oh, non USA. Okay, eighty million non USA. So that's pretty big oh, for yeah. a, a non. You're done. A non USA, uh, even though a jointly produced movie, but overseas for something. You know, that's a number you would see like for an event, not Avengers, since that was in the billions. You know, but uh, some of the other blockbusters that we have over here that also go overseas. I mean, that's a huge number for overseas ticket sales. Hmm. So it, it actually did really, really good. But I definitely highly recommend it. So far this year, uh, there was one other film that was really good this year that I, we, I was talking to my friend Saturday night at his birthday party, or I mentioned this one and another one. So you one. consider this a 2014 movie? I yeah. guess for USA it was. Oh, as far as its release here. Yeah, it has 2014 yeah. on there. Uh, it's, to me, there's another movie. I can't think of it, so to, I can't remember what I'm going to say. But this, to me, was so the best film of the year. <laughs> Do you remember, babe, when we were talking about movies at Jason's? I mentioned we we're talking about telling them how good Snowpiercer was, and I said this was probably the best film I've seen. But then we thought of another movie that came out this year that was also really, really good. Oh, jeez. Oh, don't, don't worry about it. I want yeah. to see Boyhood that came that out. That seems interesting. Yeah. Is this like the just shooting the style mm-hmm. of shooting for twelve years? That's crazy. <laughs> oh Noah, I think Noah was really good, which I mentioned on the podcast. Oh, Grand Budapest Hotel was also yes, I did really, see that. really good. Did not think it would be as good as it was. I thought it'd be a little more quirky, comedic, kind of like. Yeah. Uh, what was his before that with the Boy Scout? Um, I don't remember the name. What Ed Norton and all that? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I got the picture of the cover in my head. I just I can just can't think of the damn name. Moon Moonrise Kingdom. Yes, there it is. Uh, but Grand Budapest was like really good. <laughs> I can't think of the movie. You would. I mean, I was just trying to scroll through and see if something. Yeah, something jogged my mind. I don't remember. Oh well. Anyway, but Snowpiercer is one of the best of the year so far. Period. Uh, very, very good. Uh, just it's one of the, it's a, it's a good combination. The music is great. Immediately after the watch the movie, I went and downloaded the soundtrack. Mm. It's it's got that great combination, like a lot of good, really great movies do, with the acting, the directing, the music. The, everything comes together for just in creating a world and an experience that just really goes together. Good. And that's more I can say about it. So hmm. I will stop talking about it. <laughs> definitely check it out. Period. And uh, don't forget if you got any questions. Excuse me. Uh, after next week, we will be starting our request month. Uh, however, we got enough. Well, I'll take it back. There is of all the movies that, that we're doing for it, there we're doing four. Three of them I've never seen. The fourth one I've seen. So if somebody can think of a movie they want us to cover that I probably haven't seen, that would be awesome. So acevisit at gmail.com. <laughs> I'll we, send it to you if no one else does. <laughs> okay. And we'll say James Sejuli sent it. <laughs> there you go. But, uh, yeah, so drop us an email if there's anything we said that was wrong, that you disagree with, that you want to chime in on. Uh, and don't forget the other shows on the Awesome Podcast Network, Geekly Dose, Duo Attack, the Jesse Sedgley Podcast, Why Don't You Know This? And back in uh, 
<laughs> you always do the voices. What don't the you intro do? guy, yeah. <laughs> I, I can't help it. It's on my brain. But yeah. Tim Bridgewater's Republic City Report is back, I believe, because the new season of Legend of Korra. Yeah, the, yeah. The, that and episodes are actually up. Or, it's a really crazy schedule because day one they released three episodes. Oh, so? I think the next next week they released another three. Oh, so wow. So they having to release one like every two days. <laughs> That's awesome. If you're a fan of that show, definitely check it out because Tim's a big fan of that series and the Avatar was the one before it. It was just called Avatar. Yeah, before that. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of based in that world, I think. Yeah, so, so. if you're a fan of those uh, those cartoons, check it out because Tim's really passionate about it. He's got, I don't I don't watch it myself, but, you know, he's a big fan, so he's got that he's got that knowledge, and you could chit-chat with him about it on that podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, like us on Facebook. Drop us an email. Next week, it's just a shame Daniel won't be here for it because it's another John Carpenter movie. <laughs> Next week, join us as we try to escape from New York with Kurt Russell. Until next time, I will remain your most excellent, one of your most excellent hosts, Trey Harris. And I'm your bogus producer, (laughs) Jesse (laughs) (laughs) Sanders. Until next time, everybody, cowabunga, and be excellent to each other. Facebook.com slash awesome pods and follow us on Twitter at awesome pods.